Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. I'm Tony, and I'm excited to be your host for the podcast today. We are a ministry of Spirit and Truth. For more information, check out the Spirit and Truth Podcast Network at spiritandtruth.life. Today's episode 109, and I get to have on the pastor of the podcast, Dr. Pete Bellini. Dr. Bellini has been instrumental in forming my theology around the Holy Spirit. And today, we give you 10 ways to be more filled with the Spirit. That's right. We do 10 very practical, very real-life things that we can do to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, I love this dialogue because... One of the things that I've seen in Scripture so much lately is what it means to be Spirit-enabled. In other words, what does it mean to be full of the Holy Spirit and to live a life with that power of the living God um, as our backdrop, as our soundtrack to who we are? I think you're going to love this dialogue. Dr. Bellini always brings so much insight to the podcast. Uh, You're not going to want to miss this episode Hey, and to make sure you don't miss any future episodes, do me a favor, hit that subscribe button right now wherever you listen to podcasts. By subscribing, you get free content every single week that it's put out, any bonus episodes, any of the things that we love to do, just to say thanks to our incredible listeners. Also, do me a favor if you could. If you're listening on iTunes right now, could you leave a rating or review? Just go to the app, hit five stars, maybe Throwing a couple of comments in there, uh, leave a rating, a review. It, it does a huge service to help people find us when they're searching topics all over the interwebs. So I appreciate you guys. I'm so thankful to be with you. And without any further ado, here's my conversation with the pastor of the pod, Dr. Pete Bellini. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm excited to have our first ever three-peat offender, Dr. Peter Bellini. <laughs> It's like the Bulls. It's like the Bulls. <laughs> or the new the look Chicago Lakers. Bulls. Right. No. The yeah. Ooh. Lakers or Bulls. Who are you going with? Oh, I got I gotta go Lakers over Bulls. I'm neither one, but I gotta go Lakers. Yeah, because you're a Cleveland fan, well, right? Yeah, and but I, and I kind of adopted a little of the Lakers because yeah. of LeBron. I know some didn't. Sure. I'm, yeah. I'm still pulling a little for them. I am too. And and um what I love about you and your heart is that you are a man who is passionate about the Holy Spirit. And so in our first conversation, we kind of did some Holy Spirit stuff. In our second one, we did a little Q&A, and and you've actually really helped form a lot of my theology on the Holy Spirit. So I am so excited about our dialogue today, because we're going to talk about what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to get practical. So start off with a little bit of explanation. When somebody says filled with the Holy Spirit— what does that mean? Right. I mean, that's just, uh, it's ambiguous. What do you mean by that? Everyone has their own little picture. You know, someone may see someone swinging from the chandeliers at the church and go, <laughs> oh, that's what you do when you're filled with the Holy Spirit or or someone speaking in tongues or someone is quiet and contemplative like a monk in the desert. Right. Uh, what do you mean by being filled with the Spirit? Uh, well, I guess it, it, there's a lot of ways one could look at it. If I'm filled with the Spirit, I'm close to God and God's Spirit is so in me, even experientially, that he's in control of my life, and you and I can see it, and you could see it by the fruit that's manifested. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, temperance. The fruit that comes from the Spirit that lets me know that the Spirit is present, that's his harvest. Those are the, the signs, the evidence that you are Spirit-filled, is we can see yeah. God's fruit. And all of those words, love, joy, peace, are not just abstractions. They're actually uh, practices and behaviors. Like, for example, the, the word love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us if we have God's love. It does it through kind of the, the via negativa, but it says, uh, and positive, it says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Yeah. Love doesn't, you know, always defend itself. Love believes the best about people. You know, love is not easily irritated. So those are all actions. So I'm not just loving in word. I'm loving in deed. So yeah, yeah so. Pra- ultimate practice. So you'll be able to tell, and this is John Wesley, if you're spirit-filled, because <clears throat> God's spirit bears witness with you, you know, and other people know, and they know through the fruit. You know, through the fruit. 
Okay, so it, you're filled with the spirit if you you've got the fruit and you can see it and it's tangible and it's real life. Um, but I think that there are a lot of people who are listening, a lot of Christians who are like, you know, I've heard about the Holy Spirit, and every once in a while, once a year on Pentecost, my pastor preaches about the Holy Spirit, and uh, all of that happens, and yet um, they they can't quite get to the practical application of how do I get filled with right, the Holy right, Spirit? Right. And so today, you've got a list for us, and and ten, ten kind of ten, 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 ten words. Yeah, practices. Ten, yeah, yeah. Amen, amen. There's and, ten things I think you can do to be more filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that we kind of do these and we like we we pry the Holy Spirit from God's hands. I just feel these are practices that if you want to be where God is, sure, then go here. Right. Oh, That's I love kind it. of how I look at it. And and this is proven throughout your ministry. You've yeah, done this, right? Like, yeah. this, I mean, we're not talking, you didn't like make this up yesterday and then walk in no, and be like, oh, no. Tony, I want to talk about this. No, no, that's not it at all. These are practice yeah. methods to kind yeah. of get through that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so this is kind of distilled over a, a lot of years in ministry. I've been in ministry over, you know, I don't know, like 35 years. And so uh, almost as long as I've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, looking at the, the the great spiritual masters of the church tradition, the great tradition, and, yeah. uh, and, and, and glean from them. And, and there's probably more, but these are the biggies, I think. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, let's, let's start with number one. Okay, the first one is almost counterintuitive. And so I'm going to give a word that's kind of like maybe a, a device to click with the with you know what I want you to focus on. The first word is Jesus. Jesus. So it's kind of counterintuitive. And that is, in order to be spirit-filled... You need to be Christ-focused or Christ-centered. Now, that may seem like obvious, but if you look at a lot of churches that claim to be charismatic or spirit-filled, they always insist on focusing on the Holy Spirit first. Mm. And I think they're missing something here. And, and it sounds counterintuitive here, but if you want more of the Holy Spirit, actually focus on Jesus, because in John 14, 15, and 16, it talks about the Holy Spirit primarily does not focus on himself. Wow, yeah. So if we have churches that are focusing on just the Holy Spirit, we may have churches that are disconnecting uh, in, a, in a way that's not natural, the, tr- the triune God, that the Spirit doesn't bear witness to himself, but he bears witness to Christ, who bears witness to the Father. So the Holy Spirit's primary job is to bear witness to the person and work of Jesus. So if people focus on Jesus, fall in love with Jesus, you're going to end up running right into the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit's job to mediate that whole relationship between you and Jesus. You're talking his language. Yeah. The I, Spirit's work in God's mission is to bear witness to the Son, not to himself. So we want to be, and, and, and here's my last point, and this is where it gets specific. Be intentional, precise, and meticulous about Jesus' lordship in every area of your life. So the best way I can worship him is, Sure, I could focus on Jesus throughout the day. I could focus on him in my prayer life. I could make sure I go to church on Sunday and focus on him. But the, I think the best way I could focus on Jesus is to worship him in obedience with my life. And that is to surrender everything to Christ in my life. Make him Lord over every area, especially controversial areas. My money, my sex life, my free time. My politics. My politics. <laughs> Only the blood of Jesus can save your politics. Come on. Whether you're red or whether you're blue. Oh, that's so good. So good. Well, I yeah, I you know what? I wouldn't have started with Jesus, but that's I'm but but I mean maybe that's the problem, right? Most of us don't want to when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we don't start with Jesus, but the Holy Spirit started with Jesus. Right. So it just makes right. I guess that makes a lot of sense. Okay. And so. then what could happen there, though, if we focus only on the Holy Spirit solely, we could start to focus too much on our own experience. Mm. And we start to navel gaze and go, oh, I haven't spoken tongues. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. And it's about me going to church on Sunday to get my next experiential fix. Yeah. And so my focus is totally off kilter when it should be on him and my relationship with Christ. Because the Spirit, his primary role is to broker that relationship. So he's like, ah, oh, you're talking, you're talking Jesus, you're talking my language. You're talking directly about the Holy Spirit. I don't bear witness to myself. So if you're making a big fuss about me, you may be into yourself more than you're interested in 
relating to the one who I'm pointing yeah, to. Yeah, it seems like there's a temptation to try to make the Holy Spirit like Netflix. Yeah, right. And we can just dial right. it up. Right. But if right. Jesus is Lord, right. then we don't get to dial up we anything. We don't have that. Right. We right. don't have it's that. It's that vessel mentality. And I say that not as one, because there, there may be listeners that go, oh, well, he doesn't understand the Holy Spirit like I do. If he understood the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, friends out there, I, I understand it. I'm charismatic as they come. I'm as charismaniac as the next guy or gal out there. <laughs> uh, I, I operate in, the, in all the prophetic gifts and all the gifts of the Spirit. I understand. I know all that. I'm proficient in it. And it's out of all the years of that I've seen the shortcomings in churches and myself to mm-hmm. know you're always a safe bet to put it all on Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So that's, okay, yeah. take us to number two. Take us to number two. <clears throat> number two, Scripture. There you go. Be immersed in the Scriptures. They are written by the Spirit. So you know you're getting the Holy Spirit. They're, yeah. they're theonoustos. They're God-breathed. That book is not uh, uh, an ordinary book. It's not just a human book. It's it's not just a, a good book. You know, Gone with the Wind's a good book. This is, they say, oh, they call the Bible the good book. Have you read Gone with the Wind? They say it's a good book. I, saw <laughs> I haven't movie. read I it either. I saw the movie. <laughs> I could say Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky is a good book. But this book is a living book. It's the living word. It's it's God-breathed. It's spirit-breathed. And like Jesus says in in John 5, it testifies of me. Hmm. The scriptures point to him. So ultimately, of course, going back to Jesus again. But it's the scriptures, the written word that points to the personified living word, Jesus. And so when we read the scriptures... We're getting the aroma of the Spirit because the Spirit breathed and inspired the Scriptures. The Spirit speaks the language of Scripture. He was breathed in and through the writers of Scripture. So we want to be aware, again, of exalting our experience over Scripture. So we want to pray for a hunger for God's Word so that we have a scriptural basis for all that we are and do. And we're, we're following that sure rule so that if we do have powerful experiences of the Holy Spirit, we can test them by the word to make sure that they bear witness with the word and they're not just something that, you know, we ate pizza too late at night or whatever. Sure, sure. Now, do, do, does it matter where we start with scripture? Like, I, I mean, like I know there are a lot of people who are listening who are like, you know, uh, Dr. B, I've, I've been trying to read scripture my whole life and I just can't seem to, like, man, I always get... My Bible in a year plan always gets destroyed at Leviticus. Like, where do we start with Scripture right. so that it can point us back to the Holy Spirit? Yeah, you know, there's so many different ways to approach this. And the first thing I always tell people is get a readable translation for you. Like the NLT, the New Living Translation? I think that's a good way to yeah. go. The New Living Translation is a good readable translation. Um, uh, I recommend it to people. It's a well-translated, I believe, from the original text. A lot of those persons that <clears throat> helped translate were some of my professors. Mm. So I trust the New Living Translation. It's good to read it with some commentaries, of course, and and maybe uh, some other resources alongside, some uh, Bible handbooks and whatnot. If it's really rough for you, you may want to start in like the Gospel of John or First John. Yeah. Or Romans, but usually the Gospel of John or First John. If if it's something that's it's been tough for you, and you may want to start in and actually in a group too. Oh, it's a good then idea. You could ask questions. Yeah, you know, a group that your church is offering where you have you know you have an instructor there, and you can ask questions. And then from there, though, you want to take time daily. You want to take some time in the morning and time in the evening to just chew on a little piece of scripture. You don't have to read a lot. I usually read small small little portions, but I want to make sure that I really Chew it, chew it, and and get it, get it really. Uh, I don't know, like where it's really digestible, if you will, and uh, so it's going to stick, and I'm going to be able to. I was listening to Rick Warren on a podcast the other day, and he said, "I want it to be the first word that I see in the morning, and Amen. the last word I read before I go to bed." Amen. And it is. And I thought, I thought, first word, last word, I can remember that. Right. And you wake up with it. Then. Right. Right. You dream with it. So <clears throat> our experience of the Spirit is real and true when it's aligned with Scripture and it's Christological, meaning Jesus is in the center. Again, it points points back to him. Yeah. So if we're pursuing more of the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> excuse me, we go to Jesus, we go to the Scripture, but we got to take time to seek the Scriptures and to learn to enjoy them and pray for that hunger and that enjoyment. The Spirit wrote the Scriptures, and so... You know, he can guide you and lead you in understanding them. So I usually pray before I read, Lord, you know, help me. You wrote this book, Spirit of God. Give me enlightenment. Help me to understand it. And we're understanding it not for information only, 
I'm not reading a science book. I'm not reading a history book, though some may argue it has portion, it has aspects of that in it. Sure. It's a theological book, and I'm reading it to obey and worship him primarily. Mm. So, Spirit of God, show me what I need to know. And as one of my uh, old friends said, the scriptures are like a mirror. Mm. And it's even from James, it talks about the law as the, as the, as the perfect, uh, the law is like as a mirror that we, we, we look into and it looks back at us. So when we read the Bible, the Bible's reading us. Come on. It, all of a sudden, when I'm looking at God's word, God's word's going, putting a finger on things, showing me things, going, yeah, my word says this, but here's where you're at. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I'm looking at a mirror, and I'm seeing the way I am where James says, so we got to make those alterations lest we walk away and stay the same and deceive ourselves. So we got to not be hearers, we got to be doers. That goes back to the whole Hebrew Shema, which is the word means, <clears throat> it means hear with the intentions of obeying. Mm. Hear with the intentions of obeying. So when you start to hear God's word with the intentions of obeying, you will understand it differently than someone who's taking a course in religious studies at a secular university that may be trying to disprove that this is, you know, that these passages or, or books were written by Paul or whomever. That's good. That's really good. I love so, that. Uh, number two, scripture. All right, number three. Number three, holiness. All right, now you're going to have to really define that word yeah, for us because yeah. I think we're... Man, I, I don't know that I see much holiness in the world around us. Well, yeah, I don't know if I can help with that. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, you're the holiest thing in this office, I guarantee yeah, I don't know about that. So holiness, in a simple sense, is to be like God, and specifically that means to be like Jesus. Okay, so that goes back to our Christology, right? We're going back to... It goes, go go goes, figure that goes, Jesus is in the middle of all of this. <laughs> Go figure that he said, I'm the alpha and I'm the omega. <laughs> Glory. Yeah, you can't get away. <laughs> he, Jesus is all in all, like Ephesians 1.10. It says, in the end, he'll be all in all. So uh, holiness here means to be like, like Jesus. Let's, have, let's pray for a hunger and a passion and seek holiness. There we'll find the Holy Spirit. Why? I love to say this. Holy is the Holy Spirit's first name. Uh, I see what you did. That's like a dad joke with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you thought I was going here, and I did one of these. <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't realize it, even though it sounds like just a generic title. The name Holy Spirit is, the words Holy Spirit is really his name. He has a lot of names in Scripture, but we baptize in the name, singular, yeah. Of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. Holy Spirit is his name. In this case, holy is his first name. Why? Because he is holy, and he makes whoever's close to him holy. Yeah. So if you desire holiness, then you will attract the Holy Spirit because he's holy. Just in the same way, when we, when, when, when we you know, rub elbows with things that aren't holy... God seems to be a little further away from us. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. When I was drinking, I don't drink anymore, but when I was drinking, I don't remember at the end of the night going, man, God felt close to me. <laughs> right, 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 right. I, I, I never feel that when I'm doing something unholy. <laughs> right. I wonder if that's connected. <laughs> so what does one do? I would just in, in, encourage you to uh, seek true repentance and a hunger and thirst for righteousness, which means repentance is just a, a, a strong word, metanoia. It means change your mind such that it changes the direction of your life. Mm. In other words, if I'm going down a road, and that road is called, I'm doing my own thing, that's sin. I've been down that road. Yeah, I mean, we're always tempted to go back on that road. Repentance is we, we come to a stop sign where God says you're going the wrong way. You need to take a U-turn, and my grace allows it. Now you got to go back down that same road the opposite direction. you got to face everything that you were doing before, face it, and keep going in the same direction towards God. Because hmm. God, God doesn't take us out of this world when we get converted or we come to Christ. He's not going to just, you know remove us from every opportunity of temptation and whatnot. We're going to go through stuff. Yeah. You're going to walk down that same road, but you're going in a different direction. Instead That's of right. you calling your own shot, you're getting off that path, and now instead of being self-centered, you're God-centered. So that's basically what repentance is, is a change of orientation and direction. And so uh, 
I'm, I'm, tell, I'm asking folk here, <clears throat> when you quest for holiness, seek true repentance. Pray to God. He'll give you a hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He answers that prayer. Mm. He will fill you with righteousness. And I'm reminded of Hebrews 1, 9, where it says Jesus, uh, the Messiah, hated sin but loved righteousness. Mm. May we be like Christ, Lord, and have a holy hatred for sin and a divine love for what you think is what you see is right. Pray to see God's holiness and that he would impart it to you because it's not about us doing good deeds that makes us holy. Yeah. I can't, there's nothing that I can do, Tony, in my capacity that's going to make me holy like the eternal holy God. I may look good in someone else's eyes who's more wicked than me, Yeah. but in God's eyes, I fall short. Excuse Amen. Me. I could only be like him when I draw close to him and he imparts himself unto me. It's a gift. Yeah. Holiness is a gift. So I invite people to consecrate yourself fully to God when you're in times of prayer and saying, Lord, I want to be like Jesus, and I want you to come and search me and show me the areas where I'm not, and put your hand on those and give me the grace to be honest in, in, with these things and give it to you. Sometimes when I give things to God, it's gone immediately. Sometimes me and God are having a tug of war with it for a while. Sure. I give it to him, and I don't trust him, and I take it back. God, you know, I think I need to worry about this a little more before I give it back to you. Yeah. I think I need, Lord, I think I need to handle this because, you know, Lord, I know a little more than you do. <laughs> and we, 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 we have a give and take with God until finally we yield it to him, we surrender it to him. So holiness will attract the Holy Spirit. And we're merely talking about being like Christ. Being like well, and I, I love the idea of repentance, right? Because it's something that we can always do whenever we don't feel holy. Right. Like, there's always a path back to holiness, right? Back to back to righteousness through repentance, yes. and uh, and you know what Christ did on the cross, right? Mm. It's good. That's always the good news that all of our listeners need to hear, friends. Sometimes holiness is a scary word because we think, "Oh, God's so holy, and I'm so unholy." That's true, but it doesn't work that way merely. God is holy, but God is a good and gracious and loving God, and he gives us opportunities when we've sinned. Not one, two, or three. Hundreds of opportunities when we've blown it to keep coming back to him. He looks to our heart. A broken heart, a contrite spirit, you will never deny. Well, one of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor when somebody walks in on Christmas or Easter, and you know what they're going to say, right? They're going to say, oh, I hope I don't get struck by lightning. I'm like, man, the scripture just has nothing to support that right, at right, all, right, right? Right? And more like more like God's throwing a party that you're back home. Come on. Let's go. Kill the fatted calf. Uh, right. You're back home. Big party. We've been waiting for you. We love you. Yeah. Yeah, that's That's good. God's attitude. Uh, okay, number four. Number four, presence. Presence. Not, not like... Under the tree presence. Yeah. No, though, you could look at it as a gift, but I'm talking about P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, presence. <clears throat> this is for church leaders, pastors, be presence-based, mm. over-program-based in your life and ministry. Ooh. Put the presence of God first. Israel learned to let God go first. He came in a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. But Moses said, if your presence doesn't go with us, Lord, I'm not moving. I'm not going. Yeah. Moses recognized that it was about the presence of God above all. Why did Moses know that? Because he saw the presence of God. He saw the glory. He saw the theophany in the burning bush. He saw the backside of God's glory. Mm. He said there's no substitute for it. And for people that are in the presence of God and experience God's holy, beautiful, powerful, loving presence, there is no substitute. There's no church growth program or strategy that could substitute for it. It's second best. Programs are important. Planning's important. Strategies are important, but they take a second at least place to the presence of God. And so we need to create in our churches, in our homes, and in our hearts, tabernacles, cultures that attract the presence of God, that that goes first. That's why we're here, Lord. We're here for you above all. So I feel that, you know, there's no quick, easy shortcuts or substitutes, no programs or formulas. We got to get in God's presence and we got to have expectation and cultivate the presence of God. Let life and ministry flow from our encounters with God. 
Be mindful of his presence everywhere and always, especially take time to soak in his presence with worship and thanksgiving. And here's an uh, important one, a very important one. Be around people who are spirit-filled. The Holy Spirit is taught, but in some mysterious way, he's more caught than taught. Just sometimes there's a contagion. When you're around someone that's freshly filled with the Holy Spirit, it is contagious like a fire. It just spreads. If you're flammable, the Holy (laughs) Spirit will spread. And who are the people that are flammable? You may think the holy people. No, the people that are dry. Things that are dry are are more flammable. People that are hungry, thirsty, and dry, get in the presence of the Holy Spirit with a hunger and a thirst, and you will burn. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I loved about growing up Catholic was the practice of Eucharistic adoration. Yes. And in, in, um, in, in that practice, if you've never heard of that term before, you actually just go sit in the sanctuary and stare at the tabernacle, and they pull the Eucharist out, and it's mm. this beautiful, because in the Catholic Church, they believe that is Christ, right? And so Christ is in that moment, and so basically you sit there for an hour or mm. two, or right. when I was in Germany, we did one for uh, 12 hours at night, right? It was a, it was an all-night Eucharistic adoration, and it was, awesome. a, it was a profound mm. soaking, and I've never, like, um, especially now, being present is something that we struggle with with all the media and the technology. So, I mean, presence makes a lot of sense to me. How, how do you see churches doing this well today? I see ways they don't do it well, and that is when they put an agenda ahead of waiting on the Lord. Yeah. We make up a bulletin, and, and God's got to show up somewhere in that agenda or bulletin, or he's not showing up at all. Yeah. I understand some Sunday services, people aren't ready for that, but you should have some sort of a service which is a service that is just allows us to be in his presence, like you said, to contemplate the sacrament. Because whatever denomination you are, at least at some level, you believe that God is present in that sacrament. So whether it's a uh, uh, sacramental yeah. sort of thing of presence or just understanding the presence of the Holy Spirit in a tangible way when we begin to worship him, because it says, Scripture says, God inhabits dwells, tabernacles mm. in the praises of his people. His his praise becomes a tabernacle. It's a tabernacle where he says, I will come and I will sit upon that the ark, that lid, that kippur, that covering, the, the covering being Jesus, the, the, the atonement sacrifice, back to the spirit and Jesus again together. So I, I think when churches allow for services that are free and open to just soak in the presence of the Lord. Just have prayer services, prayer and praise services where there's no agenda, but to just come and worship him and soak in his presence. That is where that happens best. You could do that in your own house, but I I see it working powerfully in churches that allow for, to take time. It takes time. Mm. There's no, you know, this is no New Year's resolution. I'm going to start exercising in three days. I'm going to be buff and all (laughs) of that. And it, it ain't, you can't, do that you you exercise i exercise it's a long time in the gym is grueling hours uh-huh. or thinking that you're going to get a relationship with someone a spouse or anyone you know just like that it's it's love is tough man love is commitment love is discipline same thing with the lord yeah. we want to get more of the holy spirit you got to take the time necessary like you do in the gym like you cultivate with your your wife taking time to relate, to communicate, mm. to spend time alone, to, to, to cultivate intimacy. And the problem is in the day we live in now, everything fights against it. And so when, when people have to go into their prayer closet to hear God or talk about these soaking services I'm talking about, it has to go against the grain of so much stuff that's already in their mind that the circuitry, the neural networks in their brain are always pedal to the metal go looking for some sort of sensation you know, to, maybe their, their phone wants to be pet. You know, every second we, you know, we, we think our phone is calling us even when it isn't. Sure. It's hard to create, to reverse a lot of that stuff that's going on in our, in our uh, neurophysiology to slow down. So more than ever, people can't slow down today. And this is a good way to do that. And it's necessary. Or you're never going to find that deep, quiet intimacy with the Lord because he's not in the earthquake. He's mm. not in the storm. He's not in any of that, the, the, the loud clamor. He's in a still small voice. I was whispering. <laughs> I said he's in a still small voice. Unless you're real quiet, you can't hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love it. That's so good. 
Uh, okay, we're half halfway through number we're five. Halfway through, man. The next one is faith. By the way, I wish you guys could see how much Doctor Bellini is is sweating as he's <laughs> as he's preaching to us. I'm here for it. I'm here, and I know I know my listeners are too. So thank you for your <laughs> your passion. I love no, it. Yeah, I feel like I'm at the pulpit here. I love it. Number five, faith. Sorry, <laughs> but I didn't bring my preacher's cloth with me. Usually, I have my preacher's sweat rag. Right. Five is faith. Make faith your primary instrument for knowledge. Mm. For those who are more academic, make faith your primary epistemological instrument. For those who aren't as inclined to understand what those big 50-cent words mean, make faith your primary instrument of knowledge. What do I mean by that? Reason is essential, but it's meant to be subordinate to faith. Mm. We're justified by faith and not justified by reason. Reason is not to be discarded or eschewed, but it's to be put in its rightful place below faith. The major problem here is that we struggle to give up control. We love our control. It gives us security. And it begins by walking by our senses and our reason, not by faith. Faith is we have to let go of those things. Control is the primary obstacle, I believe, to walking by the Spirit. Mm. We need to give up control. And the way Scripture calls us to do that is to walk by faith. It's the only way you're going to walk on water. Only way you're going to walk on water, because there's no other, rationally, there's no way that you could stand and walk on water. Your reason runs out of ground at that point. Reason will take you so far. We don't want an irrational faith. We don't want an ignorant faith. But it can only take you so far. When Jesus says, walk on the water, your brain ain't going to know what to do. Yeah. There you got to trust the Lord for something that does not seem possible but it's possible for God. So if somebody's having a faith issue, right? Like if somebody's, you know, different than holiness or or presence, right? If somebody's having a faith issue, where do they start? I mean, how, how do you flex the muscle of faith? Where does that start? Scripture talks about, it, it, it's weird. It says every one of us has been given a measure of faith. Mm-hmm. So we each one of us has a little gift of faith. If you're a believer, you already have it because you believe. Right. You came at some point where you believe in Christ. If you're not a believer, you still believe in other things. You believe in some in the certainties of the world around you, of the technology around you that the sun is going to shine. We operate by faith more than we think. Even in the scientific realm, we're learning that even science isn't pure reason. That there's a lot of fiduciary commitment to a lot of propositions and uh, visions that come within the scientific program. So faith is a part of who we are. Look at faith as trusting. Okay. As trusting. You, you, who, do you, who and what do you trust in? What do you trust in? Who do you trust in? Well, we, we, all have, we all have some trust at some level as believers and even as unbelievers. Unbelievers, I'm sure at some level they trust themselves or they trust someone else in, in their life. So we have a measure of faith. We need to exercise it. And how do we exercise it? We exercise it by using it, hmm. by using what little we have. And then we'll be given more. He, you know, if he who's faithful, she who's faithful with little, more is given to them. So what, whatever God calls us to do, take that ne- next right step. And in our times of prayer, which we're talking about and getting along with God, God may be telling you, hey, <clears throat> I want you to uh, start to trust me more in this area with yeah. your finances. I want you to start trusting me more in your relationship. You've prayed about this thing with your spouse. Now I want you to try not to control it. I want you to trust me with it Hmm. and watch what I do this week as you just trust me. What do I do, Lord God? Well, for now, just keep your eyes on me. Think about me throughout the day and just keep thanking me that I've already done it. There you go. That's what faith does. You know, uh, Mark in Mark's gospel, have faith in God. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed, be removed, be cast into the sea, and you believe in your heart, but don't doubt the things that you say, you will have the things that you've asked for, as long as they're biblical, of course. So what do I mean by that is when we pray and ask for something that's scriptural, begin to thank God already, because you know God is faithful to do it, even if you don't see it. And so sometimes a practice for me, because faith seems so invisible, how I make, to make it practical is I'm standing on a particular word of God and I'm thanking him for it that it's already done. Okay. So I give him thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord, that you've heard my prayer. Thank you that you're already working on that situation. Give me eyes to see and ears to hear the smallest signs in how you're going to be revealing your answer hmm. so that I don't miss it because I know what I may want to hear. <laughs> and it may or may not be what you show me. Give me eyes to see, Lord God. That's and good. I don't fully get it, but I don't have to. 
because you're in control. Man, I don't want a God that I can understand. Right, right. Yeah, or that I can manipulate and control. Right. <clears throat> yeah, I don't exactly. trust that at all. Okay, number six. Uh, number six, pray. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. Pray. It's communication with God. Okay. It's a dialogue. Well, what about the people who say they don't have the right words? Talk to us. I mean, give us give us something on that. You know, if you know how to talk, and even if you don't know how to talk, if you know how to communicate it, whether whether it's writing. When I first got converted, <coughs> I couldn't even pray a prayer. I wrote it. The Holy Spirit said, "Just start writing." Mm. It's communicating. God's not interested in the right words. He's not interested in your liturgical vocabulary. If your liturgical theological grammar is correct. He does not care. He understands all languages as long as they're the language of the heart. He wants to know what, mm. what's, what's inside of you. Here's sometimes my prayer is, God, man, I'm pretty upset right now. <laughs> right. Well, you know what? God knows I'm feeling that way whether I say it or not. So when I say it, he's like, oh, you're being honest with me because I can see that. Okay. So, so be, just be real with God and have a conversation with God like you would with a friend. So if God already knows what we're thinking, why do we need to say it in prayer? Like if I mean like that's one of the pushbacks I hear sometimes from my new friend new believers who are friends or yeah. you know like oh if God knows everything then I don't need to pray because mm-hmm. God knows what I'm doing. What what's This is about a relationship. Okay. Your your wife says, "Honey, tell me you love me." Well, honey, why do I got to tell you I love you? You know I love you. Because I'm scared of her. That's why. <laughs> no, and what I do she, love her. And, but, and what does she say? Because right. I want to hear you say it. Okay. God, God loves to talk to us. That's God right. wants to hear from us. God wants us fully engaged in the relationship and to, to develop as human beings, as theological creatures that are relating to this divine mm. being and hearing and giving and receiving from him. It's a relationship. He created us with this mouth so that he can hear us talk and say, Daddy, I love you. Mm. Forgive me for my sins. I worship you, all these blessed things. There's so many times I know what's in my kid's mind. I could read my kids like nothing. Even now they're older, in their late 20s, I could still read them. Hmm. But I want to hear from them. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I uh, hear well, from and them. I love the idea that it goes back to the relationship, right? It's that's, a relationship, we, man. we serve a relational God. It's a relationship. And how many of us process, at some level, we all process life understanding through communicating and through a lot of us through verbal, that verbal processing. It's how we process life through communicating. So a lot of times it's for God and a lot of times it's for you. Yeah. When I'm praying. Yeah. Because I could hear myself and God just puts a mirror back and he shows me what I'm saying. Almost like a divine therapist, if you will. And I start to hear myself and I go, oh Lord, I hear that as I'm praying this, even my prayers aren't right. And so I know what I need to repent for now. You're showing me. You're letting me hear myself. There's a lot of different reasons, but it's a relationship. Oh, that's good. No, it's real good. So create opportunities and structures for all types of prayer and praise. If we want the fellowship of the Spirit, then we must communicate in the Spirit, which is which is prayer, which is dialogue. It's hearing and speaking, especially hearing. Two ears, one mouth, two-to-one ratio, man. Take twice as much time to listen as you do to speak. Look for both... Uh, Look for worship and the, and the entire Christian life and the mission that comes from it to flow from a life of prayer. Let prayer and mm. praise with thanksgiving be your breath. People that do not experience the presence, power, and holiness of the Spirit because they do not spend time alone with the Holy Spirit. It takes time, and he inhabits the praises of his people. So make, make that altar in your heart. We're inviting communication with the Lord because when we pray, we're inviting the Holy Spirit to come. Because all of the work that the Father, all the work that the Father, Son, Holy Spirit do, they're all active in it. The subjective experience of God in us is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So that's where the Holy Spirit's end of it is. So when I'm praying and I actually can hear in my inner heart, maybe God impressing something upon me, what to do or whatever, that's the Holy Spirit. That's good. No, I like that a lot. It makes it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, I could 
That, that that's how it has to be communication. You want to get to know somebody, see someone over there, man, I wish I could really get to know that person. Well, go over there and talk to him. <laughs> uh, you know, I wish you'd tell that to my 15 year old instead of just texting him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Uh, okay. That's I think good. we're on number seven, number seven. Oh yeah. Number seven, we're on number seven. Okay. Seven is humility. Ooh. Humility. I, I got a feeling you're about to read some people's mail, Dr. B. <laughs> Cultivate humility as a virtue. Here's the, 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 the amazing thing about humility. James tells us, well, first of all, we know as Christians, especially Protestant Christians, everything we have from God, salvation, forgiveness of sins, the gift of the Holy Spirit, everything comes by his grace. Everything is mm. by grace through faith. Right? It's an unmerited gift that God gives us. He gives us his son, unmerited gift. Gives us salvation, unmerited gift. Gives us forgiveness. Gives mm. us the gift of the Holy Spirit, unmerited salvation. Yet, there's something that could actually attract God's grace, even though grace is God's unmerited favor. James says, God gives grace to the humble. <laughs> but resist the prideful. So God's gift is, I want to save you. I want to forgive you. But you know what? He can't save you and forgive you if you're prideful. It literally says he resists the prideful. A lot of people are fighting God and they're wrestling God like Jacob did. Yeah. Until they get broken and they're willing to surrender. He gives grace to the humble. So if you want to attract the grace of God, which sounds like a good thing to me, if everything that God <laughs> gives comes by his grace, then I want more grace. Well, you know what you could do to attract more grace? Well, I can't do nothing. And it's unmerited favor. No, you can humble yourself, James says. If you humble yourself, God will give grace to the humble. It's the one thing we can do to attract the grace of God. But remember, the Holy Spirit himself does not even speak about himself. He speaks about another. So he values humility. He values humility. The Spirit is humble, and he's attracted to humility. God resists the prideful. Pray for practical ways in our lives where we could deny ourselves, serve God, and serve others. Take time to behold his holiness, which brings kind of like a healthy reverence of the Lord, which brings humility. To let When we take that time alone with God and we're in his presence, we, we so clearly see, God, you're God and I'm not. Well, it almost feels like the, the, the six <sighs> steps that have gone before humility lead us to humility. Right. Right. right? Because if we keep Jesus as Lord... We're in the scriptures, we have holiness, we're soaking in the presence, we build our faith muscle, uh, we pray, and then all of a sudden you've got, I mean, if you do the other six, it's it's almost like you got no choice but to be holy because you see how great God is and how small I am. Right. So that's, that's our response. That's our response. That was Isaiah's response when he saw the glory of the Lord. He got low. Solomon got low in the temple. Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. So you just start to, you humble yourself. You recognize Lord God, you know. <laughs> I'm in your hands. Be gentle with me. <laughs> so humility, number seven. Yes. Number eight, hear or hearing. Improve your hearing. Mm. Get some Drano for your inner plumbing, man. We got to learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. He's already speaking. Scripture says he or she that has an ear. And it's not talking about, do you have a physical ear? Obviously you do. He or she that has an ear, let them hear mm. what the Spirit is saying to, saying to the church. In other words, not saying, do you have a physical ear? But do you have a willingness, Shema, to hear, to obey? Are you really wanting to hear what the Spirit is saying? Because the Bible tells us that God is always, I'm a firm believer in this, People ask me, what's the secret to hearing God? You seem to talk a lot about hearing God. And like, it sounds like you think you know how to hear God's voice. And a lot of times, people around me say, I've seen the gifts. You do know how to hear God's voice. What's the secret? Matthew chapter 5 says, chapter 4 says, Man, woman, did not live by bread alone. Mm. But every word that proceeds, present tense, means a continual proceeding of God's word from his mouth. That means he's speaking. We are supposed to be living like our bodies live off of bread and water. Our spirit should be living off of hearing our daily bread in terms of spiritual manna, hearing from God, hearing him speak. There's a proceeding word coming from the mouth of God regularly that is enough to sustain your life no matter what you're going through, no matter what attacks you're facing, whether you're facing all hell, high water, sickness, whatever we're facing in this day and age, and there's surely enough out there. Amen. Take your pick of the pandemic buffet. There's enough crazy is going on out there. It doesn't matter what we're facing, though. It says that he is greater 
in us than he that's in the world. If we're willing to hear what he has to say, he's got a word to sustain us in all seasons. If we're willing to hear, give the spirit the solitude needed to speak to you and expect to hear specific guidance from God because he, God does speak. He's a speaking God. If God was quiet, you wouldn't see anything. Everything that you see in creation is because God spoke. Wow. Let there be light. The vibrations of his voice from when he said, let there be light will resonate until there's a new heaven and new earth. If God were to shut his mouth, the light would no longer exist. Everything is sustained by the power of his word because everything is here because God is a communicator. He communicates big things, stars, planets. He communicates small things, bugs, microscopic organisms, big and small. All of these things are created by God because he's a communicator. Man, God got a lot to say. Look Look out the window. That's all God talking. Could you talk to him for me about April snow showers? <laughs> what are you telling us, God? Uh, I woke up this morning to the snow, and I was like, okay, God, what are you trying to say here? You know, God, you know what I think God was telling me when I saw the snow? Time to move from Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Time to buy that house in Arizona that you was wanting. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, number nine. Number nine. We're, we're almost ready to land the plane. Number nine, serve. Serve. Have an open heart to serve others, especially the poor, the stranger, and the outcast. He won't fill you to do nothing. Mm. He's not going to fill you just for your own personal enjoyment and satisfaction. Though we will be satisfied when the Holy Spirit fills us. He doesn't fill us to do nothing. He fills us so that we will be poured out. Because he will always give you more than you need. I've never walked away from the Lord. He, the, Lord the Lord feeds me spiritually my, like my wife feeds me in the natural. If you go to a Sicilian table, you will never walk away from that table hungry. My wife will bomb you with every kind of food that you could think of. In Sicily, we, eat, we have primo piatto, secondo piatto. We have first dish, second dish, third dish. You, 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 will, you will be lucky if you could roll away from the table. My oh, cup, that's so good. My cup and my belly runneth over. God feeds you spiritually. You know how it is. When God touches you and you get in his presence, yeah. it's never like, oh, God, I just feel walk away so unsatisfied. You, you are so overwhelmed like David. You say, my cup runneth over. Why? Because he gave enough for you and more so that you could pour mm. out. He gave you more because it wasn't for all just you. Come on. He gave you more so that you could share it. Uh, you I, can pour it out. You can minister places. He empties you so that he can fill you, so that he can empty you again. Be filled. That word be filled is where it means be continually filled. Yes. It's not like a, it's not, it's not one-stop shopping, is it? It's, no, it's no, a, it's a lifestyle. Yeah. And it's a lifestyle of being filled by the Spirit so that the Lord can use us, satisfy, yeah, satisfy us, but so that we can be a witness, a testimony, a witness to who and what he does in the lives of others. Let that light shine. Go and serve. The Spirit loves to seek and save the lost. That's where Christ already is. People go, well, I want more of Jesus, because that's our first thing. You want the Spirit? Then focus on Jesus. Okay, well, where's Jesus? He already told you where he is. Well, where is he? He's with the naked. He's with the homeless. He's with the hungry. He's with the imprisoned. You want to go where he is? Go there. He's there already. Yeah. And he's going to judge you based on if you were there with him. Oh, man. Well, when was I with you, Lord? Well, when you did it. How? Until the least of these, you've done it unto me. <laughs> Glory on. to God. Amen. <laughs> so Amen. you want more of the Holy Spirit. God ain't going to give it for you to do nothing. He's going to fill you so that you can be fruitful and productive. That's why he trims and prunes the branch so it'll produce more fruit. Use what I've given you first. Even use what I've given you and you want more. Uh. But once he sees that you're a faithful vessel, that'll regularly be poured out into the, 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 the cracks and crevices of the community. He's going to keep filling. He's all oh, faithful. Mm. He's a faithful disciple. He's a faithful transmitter of my word, of my spirit. So I'm going to use him more. Yeah, keep filling him, man, because he just doesn't suck on it and, and get fat on the couch. He pours it out. He's everywhere preaching, sharing, ministering. That's what Jesus wants to see our churches do. A lot of us charismatics, we just go to church so we can become junkies. We get filled up, get high, and want to come back next week for our next spiritual fix. And God's like, you've done nothing with that but get fat. 
Yeah. I wanted you to exercise that off by practicing your faith and exercising your faith by serving people. And I already told you where Jesus is. Right. <laughs> Take your mind off yourself and go serve the least, last, and lost. A lot of times people are too into themselves. I get folk to come to me with issues they have, and they're just so self-absorbed. I said, you know what you need to do? You just need to go downtown. You need to go serve at this place. Take your mind off yourself for an hour and think about someone else. I always say uh, we, we we have a mutual friend, Jeff Cartwright, who's on Xenia Avenue, yes, yes. New Hope Church. And, and uh, I always say, man, if Jesus was here today, he'd be going to New Hope Church. Right, right. He, I mean, like, not to say that Jesus isn't everywhere, because he is, but when we think about the, the people that Jesus hung out with, they're... Who would he be hanging out yeah, with? Yeah, right? they're right there on Xenia Avenue. They're right there on Xenia Avenue with, with old Jeff. <laughs> All, right. All right, number 10. Mm, number 10. Expect or expectation. Oh, that's a good one. Create an expectancy for the presence and work of the Spirit, especially the gifts, in ordinary and extraordinary ways and settings. Expect God to speak to you. Expect God to work a miracle through you. Expectation is the gateway and threshold to the miraculous presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Have great expectations for God's spirit to move and show up in you and in the, the ministry that you serve in, in ordinary and extraordinary ways, expectation. What's the difference between expectations and entitlement? Excellent, excellent separation. We go back to a lot of the things we talked about, and some of that would go specifically with the first two and, and all the way down. I mean, we can, we can expect things that are scriptural and biblical. Okay. We can expect things that are Christ-centered, Christ-authored, and Christ-serving, back to our principles. We can expect God to move in ways that's going to promote Christ-likeness and holiness. We can expect God to move in ways that's going to validate his presence and emphasize his presence. And so in, like, humility, it's, it, we, we can expect... But we can expect things that are going to be substantiated and, under, and undergird virtues like humility. <clears throat> Entitlement may be things that, we're, that we, we think that we should have that's not scriptural and not in God's will. So, in other words, a lot of times I'll see in the charismatic world a lot of name it and claim it. Yeah. So I just say that, you know, I claim that, that's mine. So we, we, th- we think we're entitled to some things that a close reading of Scripture and a close examination of, of the nature of Christ right. will not grant us what we think we're entitled to. Well, it, it goes back to that, too, that, that same idea that you mentioned, right, is that uh, Jesus has got to be Lord of our lives, right? If Jesus is Lord, then I don't get to just say whatever I want, right? And so there's a natural humility. I, I mean, again, mm. you, you just said it, right? Like, there's a natural space where expectation is, hey, I'm a vessel, God's going to do what God's going to do, and what I expect is for God to show up and for me to be surprised. Exactly. And we can't control God. It's the same separation like between faith and presumption. Yeah. You can't... I'm from the streets. I'm from the old school, you know? Just to use old school kind of language. God's the boss. I'm not. Right. I can't tell God what to do. God tells me what to do. And so I, I don't, I'm not entitled to tell God what to do. But I could find out through Scripture... And through the things we're talking about, who God actually is, and God's faithful to himself and faithful to his word, so I can have great expectations, not based on my covetousness and my wanting to control God, but based on who he is. And then from there, like you said, then it's up to God to show how God wants to do that. Yeah. I can't tell God what to do. That's magic and witchcraft. I can't uh, control God. But I could have an expectation that God's going to do something special here because, man, we're here in agreement by faith. But God, give us eyes and ears to see what you do so that we don't miss it because of our maybe uh, human expectations that may not be what you have in mind. Mm. You know what I mean? So many times in life people fall away from God because they misread what God's will and expectations were, and they were merely reading what they wanted. And so, God, you didn't do what I wanted, so I can't serve you any longer. Yeah, I call it Burger King God. It's not your Burger way. King it's God. not your way right away, right? right? right. It's got to be God's way right now. I mean, right. out in God's time, right? Right? God's way, God's time. God's way and God's time. And I understand for people that have been through serious issues, though, and it's easy to misread God when you go through suffering, when you have a, you lost a loved one, sure. an untimely death. I understand it's very easy 
you know, because you want them to live and whatnot, to not be able to see what God was doing. And that's why we pray, God, give us eyes and ears. And usually we start to see that hindsight to begin to see things the way you see things. Yeah. And so sometimes it could be just someone just being selfish. You know, they want the Burger King way. And other times it could be, you know, just the, the, not really selfish, but, want, you know, Lord, I didn't, I didn't want that. I lost my four-year-old, you know. Yeah. It's not a selfish thing. I, I was really expecting to it's see him live their grief. whole life. Yeah. You know, but Lord, sh- sh- show me where hope is at this point mm. because I'm not seeing it. I had different expectations. Yeah. Redeem yeah. my expectations. Redeem my hope. That's good. That's good. All right. Let, let me recap. Let me recap the, the 10 for us. So the 10 words uh, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The first one is Jesus. And then number two is scripture. Number three, holiness. Number four, presence. Number five, faith. Number six, pray. Number seven, humility. Number eight, hearing. Number nine, serve. Number 10, expectations. Now, also, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that was really fast, don't worry. Go to reclamationpodcast.com. We've got the full transcripts there. You can go back and you can take all the notes. We'll make sure uh, we'll link to that in the show notes. So, Dr. B, I, I do have a question for you. You know, it's interesting that we're having this dialogue on what I hope is the tail end of COVID, right? And, and I'm, I'm prayerful that it's prayerfully optimistic that it's the tail end of, of COVID. Why do you think the world needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit in this season? <laughs> my, my, my. Tony, you know, I don't want to sound prideful or presumptuous as a believer, but <clears throat> I don't understand how people can live without God in general. Yeah. I don't know how God people are making it without God through all of this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think some people are. Suicide rates are up. Mental health, mental health issues are on, the, are on the rise like more than ever before. Uh, rates of addiction are up more than ever before. People are angry, angry. You go on social media. <clears throat> you look at the news. It's just like there's an outrage that's it's, it's an unquenchable fire of outrage and anger that no matter what happens, there's no peace, there's no satisfaction, there's no rest. People are in despair. People are desperate. People are, are, are at their wit's end. Yeah. And nothing is, no, no forms of self-medicating from politics on down is working. Yeah. And I'm really hoping this is a time where people will call on the Lord out of desperation, because I don't know how people are making it. And again, a lot of people sure. are making it. And for the believers, the trials and temptations are so grave. I just feel that things just get narrower and narrower as God is wanting more and more of us. And the separation from what is sin, what is darkness, and what God has for us is getting greater and greater. And so what I feel, it's kind of like, and I'm not a an end times person, and I don't know the day and hour Jesus is coming back. I spend very little time on eschatology, but I feel like we're in a season of like the, the parable of the ten virgins with the oil in their lamp. Hmm. We all should be looking for Christ's coming back, and you know, in a hundred years by death or where <laughs> he comes back, we're going to see Jesus. <laughs> I don't know when he's coming back, but I know we're looking for the second coming. That's what we say in the creed. We look for the resurrection of the dead. And life to world to come. Right. And we're supposed to be filled with the oil. Those virgins were virgins. They were kept spotless from the sins of the world. And they were filled with the oil, with the Holy Spirit. And they had extra for the journey. You're going to need this for the journey. The journey is rough. The journey is long. It's rugged. It's demanding. Um, The trials are, 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 are big time. The things I see people going through are just really more than they've ever experienced before. As an intercessor and someone who works in spiritual warfare and deliverance, I've never in my 35 years of ministry have never seen such heavy warfare before. So I know I need the Holy Spirit more than ever before to get me through on this journey because a lot of oil is being burnt up to carry me through and I need oil in reserve. So... We need to stay close to the Lord. We need to stay close to Jesus to continuously be filled with his spirit. He's our sustenance, man. He's, he's everything. Yeah. So I, I, I think people need that for the journey or they're not going to make it. So I know that my listeners are going to want to connect with you. I know they're going to want to learn more about your ministry. You're not super active on social media, but you've written some incredible resources, some books out there that are, um, I'm, Truth Therapy is one of my favorites. 
Uh, you've got so many different books. Where can people go to learn more about what you do and how you do it? And 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 I wouldn't say I wouldn't tell people to follow you on Instagram. It's not like you're you, you do a little bit on Facebook, but uh, writing I was on is, Facebook. I took off for uh, Lent and I never came back on because it's been <laughs> heaven. <laughs> I so, was delivered uh, of Facebook. Uh, amen, amen. There's a lot of demons that are cast out, but when you've been delivered from Facebook, glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. I can walk on water. Um, I would invite people. You could actually email me. I'll talk with you personally. Yeah. P-B-E-L-L-I-N-I at united.edu. So my first initial and last name at united.edu. I would love to talk with you personally. You can get any of my books on Amazon.com or any bookseller because most of the uh, brick-and-mortar stores, there's not a lot, but the distributors, are they all carry my uh, my, my books or any other online shop that sure. you, would, you, would, uh, you would go to. And uh, you can probably just Google my name and you can catch me on just so many different podcasts that I'm well, on. And we'll link to all that in the show notes. We'll right. link to the previous episodes that you've been on. And, and I've been uh, on so many yeah. other different podcasts. And we podcasts. can definitely link to uh, all of that there. So, um, okay, last question I always love to ask people. It's an advice question, but you have to give yourself one piece of advice, and I'm going to take you back to a very specific time. So uh, I I know that God speaks to you on a really regular basis, and so I'm curious, at the end of 2019, right, before we really knew anything about the coronavirus and before we knew about the year ahead and before we knew about the political storm being what it was, if you could go back there and look a younger version of yourself, a young Dr. B, not really that young, just a couple of years ago, but you know what I mean. Yeah, a couple of years ago doesn't take me into the young category. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to figure out how to say that well, and it just didn't come out, but okay. you get the idea. If you could go back um, prior to 2020 and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? And you, you're not allowed to say invest in Bitcoin. is weird because a lot of the prophetic voices most of them i don't know one prophetic voice that 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 got 2020 right yeah most of them actually said things that was the total opposite the part of covid i didn't prophesy in 2019 i prophesied something similar about 10 years before and i told persons in my church we got to start believing god for healing like we've never Mm -hmm. believed before because Diseases are going to be coming that in soon that we have no cure for, and there's not, and, and they're going to cause worldwide pandemics because there's no resources for them, and we're going to have to start believing God and walking by faith, just like they do in other countries mm. to the two thirds world where they don't have the medical resources. So we're going to face things that our medical resources are not going to be able to resolve. So I remember saying that a while back, but what hit me. The year that year, the end of the year, was that we're going through a great shaking, and leadership was going to be shaken, and this was going to be a time of great repentance, and God was going to cause us to be set apart unto Him alone to pray, and great grace would be given to us to repent and be delivered of besetting sins in our life, and especially to heal relationships, including marriages. And that and I was ready for that, so we were ready. We prayed, we stayed inside, and all of that kind of thing. And so that worked out great. It's like, amen. I think one thing that I wish I would have known was, and I wish I would have done, was spoke up more vocally. I think maybe I had a chance to, but I didn't to speak up more vocally to the church, especially the charismatic church, in opposition. Now that I look back to a lot of the voices and prophetic words that were not right, not on, and a lot of people that were hearing from sources that were not God Mm. and not biblical, i.e. like QAnon and whatnot, that took a lot of people down and hurt the body of Christ and sent a lot of people wayward, and it broke my heart. And um, I wish I would have spoke up. I wish I would have spoke up more about that, especially the whole idea to prepare that our king cannot be elected and cannot be removed from office. Amen. And the kingdom that he establishes is a kingdom that begins on the inside of us. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the king of, us, king of it. And that king and kingdom are not riding on a donkey or an elephant. Hmm. And so, we need yeah. to hear that message more than ever before this year, and we need to hear it now. So I guess those are some of the, re- the re- regrets. 
I did. Ha- I did have the, the Lord did put upon my heart that Trump would not be elected. I don't know anyone that was was speaking those words, and I wanted to say that I, I knew Biden was going to be president. The Lord told me not to say anything. I did not feel led, except for my family asked, and I let them know back in February. I felt this, and they asked me again later in fall. Are you sure? I said, Yeah, that's what I think. Uh, that's what I, f- I believe I've heard from God, but He's not releasing me to say anything. And I didn't. I didn't give no public words. Well, and I, I, what I what I appreciate about that piece of advice is it's really just be, hey, be courageous, be courageous. Yes, which in this day and age, people are afraid to because it's like, am I going to get canceled? Right. What's going to happen right. to me and all of that? And a lot of people suffered as because they weren't they were listening to voices that led them astray. Yeah, that's good. Uh, man, Dr. B, I just appreciate your time so well, much. Thank you. Appreciate your gift to the church and to me and to this podcast community. That uh, you're, I just, man, that was that was a good word, and I know a lot of people needed to hear it. So thank well, you. Hopefully, the transmission went well with this uh, snow. We got hit with that snow last night. Sure. I'm, I'm an allergy sinus person. It just blew me away. And so I, I had some cough drops I'm, before I came. I'm like, man, my voice is going to get blown out. Listen, I'm telling you, if people didn't want to, if didn't hear you, it's because they weren't listening. Not because <laughs> okay. not because not anything you did. I, but again, I just appreciate your generosity Praise and your gift. Blessings to you and blessings to all the people that are hearing that, that God will bless them mightily through anything that we said today to make benefit them. Amen. Like I said, Dr. Bellini is such a gift. I love the way he talked about Jesus, Scripture, holiness, so many good things in there. And I know that if you lean into these things, God will continue to do some amazing things and you too will be spirit-filled. As always, I'm so thankful for you being part of this community. Uh, Make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review on iTunes, and maybe share this episode with a friend, somebody who wants to learn a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. I know that as we continue to lean into this, God will do some amazing things. So remember, if you want to follow Jesus, you must be willing to move. See you guys next week.